Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Security Squawk Podcast episode. I think we're on 39 now, boys. Uh, welcome to the show, Randy from uh, somewhere Denver, down in Texas. Texas. Are you cutting me off? Why are you cutting me off? I like to talk slow. And uh, Reginald Andre, Miami, Florida. I'm Brian Horning. I'm up here in right, right outside of Philadelphia in beautiful southern New Jersey. We are the crew that does the Security Squawk podcast. Our goal is to educate you about cybersecurity, but break it down to a level that pretty much anybody will understand. And uh, the only fee we ask, we don't bore you with ads. We don't promote anything on this show. Just share the show. If you like something, if you are educated, if you're entertained in any way, if you see this as a positive thing, share it out. Let other people know about it. And if you don't like us, don't watch us. So that's it. So uh, how you doing, guys? What's up, doing, doing well. Uh, it's raining a little here, but um, still a beautiful day in the sunny South Florida. Nice. Randy, me and you are uh, the weather a little bit. Doing, Yeah, doing great down here. I think we're having a little bit of a heat wave. Yesterday felt like our first real day of summer. It was around 100 degrees, I think is what they said. We're supposed to get a cool front tomorrow. So I know we always talk about the weather, but man, down here, it's usually pretty extreme. It's either drought, flood, you know, or 100 degrees or something like that. So anyway, glad to be here today, man. A lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, I feel you, bro. So yeah, there is a lot of stuff to talk about. So I guess we'll let the audience in on, on what that is today. Um, Meanwhile, I'm just like doing the social media thing so we can get some viewers on the screen because we don't have any yet. <laughs> so uh, so let's get that fired up. And then, um, you know, we are on, obviously, guys, we're, we're, we're on every podcast uh, platform that's out there. You can download us anytime. And, you know, we love that. And we hope that you listen to us in the car and in the, in the uh, you know, while you're working out or on your walks or whatever you're doing when you have, you know, 30, 40 minutes of time, because that's about how much time we, we spend per episode. Uh, but we also do this live on Facebook, YouTube, and I think we're going to be live on LinkedIn soon. I, oh. I applied for live streaming on LinkedIn. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to pop over on LinkedIn and, and go live over there. Um, we do share, I do share the show on LinkedIn when we are live, but it's just a link that sends them over to the YouTube feed uh so you know that'll be cool to go down linkedin as well so we're pretty much hitting everywhere um but uh jumping into it here uh and if you guys see us on social media right now please share us out share us out right now people will see this uh if you're watching uh share us out to your friends and family and let, let them know that uh you know there's guys out here cybersecurity experts that are educating people on you know what the heck is going on and there's actually a big cyber attack going on right now, and I don't think it's getting that much press. And I'm kind of curious as to why that is. So uh, who wants to take the lead and fill everybody in on what the big cyber attack is, what everybody should know about and where we're at right now? Well, I'll take it. So simply we have the Iwin Agriculture Group is uh, was hit by a ransomware attack over the weekend. And um, they're claiming that this could be worse than the Colonial Pipeline. What was the name of that group? I'm pronouncing it. I'm pronouncing it as Iowan from Iowa, but I O W A N. Yeah, but what is it's, the, it's something collective? Give me one second. I gotta pull that up. 
Uh, it's this new cooperative. New cooperative, yeah. New cooperative. Oh, yes, yes. Um, so I guess let's break it down there first. What's the new cooperative uh, and help people understand like what this is and how this impacts them? Because not a lot of people understand like how agriculture works and how stuff gets to your grocery store and ultimately to your table. So um, and it's not just about bread, right? You hear grain and you, your brain probably automatically goes to bread. Um, <laughs> and this group is warning of, you know, long outages and, and, and supply outages and, and delays in a lot of different areas of the food industry. So, uh, Randy, you want to talk about like well, how this, this grain producer uh, impacts the supply chain and, and at what level? Yeah. Um, you started off asking about like what it is. Basically, a, a cooperative allows smaller farmers to pool their resources together to then where to work with a, basically um, an organization so then they can get better prices for their stuff, have a better have better distribution points. And so think of a cooperative as, you know, bringing thousands of farms together. Um, so that's their distribution point. Um, that's the bottleneck, if you will. And these guys have been targeted um, with ransomware. They're asking for almost, I think, like six million bucks mm -hmm. um, for the ransom. And basically it has shut down operations, which, yeah, grain goes into bread, but grain goes into a lot of other things. And it's, you know, basically one of the main links in the food supply chain. Um, especially in the U.S. I mean, we have a heavy, heavy, um, you know, reliance on grain. We, we feed grain to to uh, cattle and, you know, livestock. And I mean, there's a lot of lot of ramifications that can come out of this. Yep. Uh, Andre, anything you want to add to that? Yeah. And you mentioned the reason that we're not hearing about it is I think it's because um, it's not a direct link to the consumer. The Colonial Pipeline, you went to the gas station People were kind of in a crazy moment and putting gas or, or expecting not to have gas. And right now, it's just people don't see it. They, they've never heard of this before. And they just, you know, until maybe later on, if the price, it, well, depending on how long this goes, if the either there's going to be shortages or price increases, and then that's when I, I think it's really going to make the news. Yeah, I, and, weird, weird one for me. I don't know why it's not being, I mean, some outlets are covering it, but. Not 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 as much as you would think, because they're saying that this is going to be worse than Colonial Pipeline. Like they're basically they're out there saying that this is going to be worse than Colonial Pipeline. So what do you guys think about that? I mean, well, do we think that this is going to be worse? According according to the the cooperative, their 40 um, percent of grain production runs on their software. <laughs> 11 million animals rely on their feed schedules. Um, they're, they're saying, according to this article, that it's going to disrupt the grain, the pork, and the chicken supply chain because of, you know, obviously the grain going to feed the pork and the chicken, like I was saying a little while ago. So it sounds like it could be really, really huge. Oh, man, I'm not trying to be funny here or, or make light of a pretty crappy situation, but... <laughs> I wonder what's worse when you mess with people's gas and you mess with people's chicken nuggets. <laughs> it's a little bit of both. <laughs> so. I mean, I will, will, will this get the attention of more Americans than the colonial pipeline? 
Because let's be frank, Colonial Pipeline, they thought bad things were going to happen with the gas supply, and it turned out that really didn't happen. Right. And now these guys are kind of warning, like, hey, your pork and your chicken is at risk here. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, Randy, well, you seem, you, you're from a part of the country where, where this is kind of like a big deal. Like we, I mean, I'm in New Jersey. We have some semblance of the agricultural we used to have 20, 30 years ago, but nothing like Texas. Like, what, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think this well, is going to... So my thoughts that? were back in February, we had what we called snowpocalypse, where mm-hmm. every single county in Texas had a freeze warning. It's never happened as far back as anybody ever knew. But what we noticed in our town were the number of people who just live for today. They have a pot in their kitchen. Um, They might have an old bag of Doritos from two weeks ago. But the number of people that just don't keep food on hand, that go out to eat, um, that are getting their food every day at McDonald's and things like that. And it it was a genuine emergency for a lot of people that basically had no food, that never really had thought about that. Maybe that's changed. Since then, maybe they woke up to that, but I can only imagine that that's probably true more than just, I know, I know we're in a college town, but it's probably more true around the country than we want to admit. So that, that can have a huge impact if, you know, they're unable to get food. And already, if you go to around here, we have HEB, if you go to HEB, some stores just don't seem as full as they were two years ago. Um, no one's freaking out yet, but, you know, seeing like, hey, we're out of this, we're out of that, you know, you go to Chick-fil-A and they're saying that, you know, we might be out of the sauce. We might be out of chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to have a pretty big impact. And, you know, Texas does have a lot of rural. Texas is a really huge state. Um, we also have a crap ton of people here in a lot of urban areas, um, you know, this, this potentially could be huge. It also could maybe cause something good, which is pushing people back to buying locally produced, you know, locally produced food. I know we've got a guy in our town who has a ranch outside of town and he's opened up a meat shop um, and you can buy fresh, fresh meat. You know, no ransomware is going to shut that down um, because he just brings his cattle and sells them. We'll probably see more of that come out of this. Could be, could be. Hopefully we'll see people taking cybersecurity and adopting a framework more seriously as well. Yes. And understanding that, you know, you can you can try to protect and play defense as as much as you want, but eventually you're going to have to go on offense um, and you're going to have to play some offense. And, you know, sometimes you're going to have to play offense after a cyber attack, unfortunately. Um, And that's kind of the perspective that we want people to understand and have now. there's a couple interesting other tidbits about this cyber attack that I want to get into. Number one, this is uh, purportedly or reportedly being done by a group called Dark Matter, uh, or, or I'm sorry, Black Matter, and they are they have um, links to Dark Side, and Dark Side was the group that attacked uh, Colonial Pipeline, and that's why we mentioned, you know. this supply chain attack along with colonial pipeline because it's basically the same group that has attacked them uh and if you remember 
Uh, two other interesting things. Number one, Darkseid and, and this group, Black Matter, are actually, they have these dark web sites uh, on the dark web where they leak information. They're, they're either called rans- you know, ransomware leak sites or dark web leak sites. Um, and on those sites, they basically state that they're not going to attack you know, the critical infrastructure um, uh, areas, you know, and they they kind of define their own critical infrastructure. Let's put it that way. They don't follow the list that Biden gave Putin. Um, and I think that that's what a lot of people refer back to is like, oh, they're critical infrastructure. They're, they're the people that, you know, Biden identified uh, with Putin at his summit. Um, yeah, Biden has his list and his list is way more expansive than what uh, black matter or dark side feel is critical infrastructure. And we're seeing that in the negotiations of this ransomware attack, as we've seen security researchers release on Twitter, that basically this, this ransomware group is, is telling people that you're not big enough in the supply chain for us not to attack you. Mm-hmm. So if they were bigger, if they were a bigger piece of the supply chain, um, they maybe wouldn't have attacked them. And and they've actually claimed that they haven't attacked uh, organizations that they have access to just because how big they are, or how critical they were. Um, I don't know if those claims are true, but that's what their representatives are saying. And they chose this group because they felt like it wouldn't be that much of an impact on the supply chain to the point where it would affect things too much. This group disagrees with that, but I also got to say, and I want your guys' opinion on this, when you say that, but then you put a ransom demand out there of almost $6 million, are you kind of talking from both sides of your mouth here? I think it's a combination of oops and also for them to say, well, you know, like they said, you're not the, you're not the biggest, but I mean, 40% is big. You know, what do you so, mean by oops? Help me understand. That. Uh, meaning they didn't realize, you know, they they uh, they went fishing and then they they caught something and then then they didn't realize how big it was until they're in the situation now and at this point it's too late. And and the cooperative is basically saying that the impact will likely but be much worse than the pipeline for context and they have no way to control. Um, that given this disruption, it's already caused because their systems are down. Right. Um, and then, you know, we're already dealing with, you know, other economic factors with, you know, inflation and things like that. And then this is only going, I've, I've said on my YouTube channel a million times that if you really want to factor in inflation, you're going to have to factor in cybersecurity costs. And mm-hmm. companies are going to need to raise prices mm-hmm. to pay for what's needed. Um, and it's not a, a result of the cyber attacks. It's a result of everything that needs to go into it. And businesses still want to remain profitable. So unless they're willing to reach into their profits to pay for proper cybersecurity, they're going to have to charge more. And that's going to cause inflation across the board. Um, because I believe across the board, all businesses are not spending enough on cybersecurity, um, even though they probably will tell you they are. When you really get into it with them, you're going to find out that they're probably not. So 
Um, Randy, what's your perspective on on this whole ransom demand? You're not that important. We attacked you because you were not that big and we're not going to cause that much of a disruption. Well, I would go back to uh, what you uh, mentioned a little while ago is that businesses have to take responsibility for their own cybersecurity. We don't know the details here yet, but we can't just say, oh, well, I'm critical infrastructure and I shouldn't be attacked. Like, man, I'm reading the screenshot of the conversation between the organization and the criminals from their from a Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. And like it it really kind of makes me sick in my stomach that we're having to say, you know, hey, we're critical infrastructure. You know, you should back off. I mean, and I guess that's a good tactic. Hopefully, maybe they will. But you know, we've got to be more proactive like that than that. Like you said, we've got to get more on the offensive about it. Um, companies need to spend, you know, like one to two percent, you know, maybe three, three hundred bucks per employee per 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 month, two to three thousand per year per employee. Like these are real hard costs that need to start. We need to start doing it. You're right. It's going to drive up prices. But we're going to have to do it because we've got to get secure because look at the boat we're in with these guys having to plead and saying, hey, we're critical infrastructure. And, you know, we've said we've said for a long time, you know, it doesn't matter how small you are. You're not too small to be avoided because maybe the big guys won't pick you up, but somebody's going to try to pick you up um, and attack you um, because there is value in every single company and there's value in all of our all of our data. That's out there. Yeah. So the the other the interesting thing here for me is, is that um, number one, it's a, a relatively it's been a relatively quiet summer since July 4th with when it comes to ransomware attacks. But a couple of weeks ago, when when Re, Re, uh, Andre and I did the show, we went over some information that showed that there's uptick in certain kinds of activity on the dark web and i kind of predicted that ransomware attacks were going to increase and we're talking about this massive ransomware attack um but the reality of it is is there's a lot of ransomware attacks going on right now that you you aren't hearing about and i think that this is just the beginning of the uptick we have revel back we have we have uh dark side back as you know as this black matter group or whatever they're called um and the other interesting thing that I want to bring up and make people aware about is cyber criminals have changed their tactics and they are now evaluating how companies respond after they get hit with ransomware. And they know a bunch of things. They know that you're hiring professional negotiators or your insurance company is they're, they're they or and you're bringing outside help. And what that is doing is that is reducing the amount of money the business has to pay. And that's the objective of bringing these people in. So the cyber criminals know this. So now what they're doing is they're now threatening you and they're telling you that if you go to these professionals or you file an insurance claim, you're not getting your data back. Hmm. And that's that's where they're at with this stuff now. And the interesting thing is, this is like the negotiator for this uh, collective or, or this co-op whatever they call it um they were initially saying oh like we're not that big of a fish you got the wrong people right 
But the reality of it is, is there's a statement from them that says there's going to be a very public disruption in the grain, pork and chicken supply. About 40% of grain production runs on our software and 11 million animals feed schedules rely on us. So 40% of the grain production in the United States runs on this company's software. That's why the demand is $5 million. Is $5. million. And, you know, the fact that they went in this direction initially, um, you guys feel like that was a misstep or do you think that that was a, a very smart strategic move? Knowing that these, this isn't one of the ransomware groups that, that basically says, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, if you go to professionals, we're going to, we're not giving you any of your data back. What do you guys think about like, well, was that a misstep in the beginning of this negotiation or do you think that was a smart move? I mean, I think they know what they're doing because Colonial was 4.4 million and now here they are asking for more. No, what I'm saying is, is do you think the collect the co-op mm -hmm. coming out and saying like, we're not a big fish. Do you think that that was a smart move on their part? Uh, I, I mean, it, I think it's just a sorry. I think it's just like them trying to make it make them feel sorry for themselves in a way. Kind of like, hey, why are you? Right, and it didn't work? work. So, I mean, I know what my opinion is, and it's like I think it was a dumb move. I think it was stupid for them to come in and try to play that card when you got to know that these guys are in your system. And that's this is my point. They're in your system. They're studying your company. They know who you are before they release this ransomware. Yeah. Um. So the the if you look on that um that screenshot of that conversation you're reading from. You know, they are trying to say that, hey, we're critical infrastructure and the criminals reply back and not notice how it says support. Mm -hmm. So if you all don't know this, y'all two do, but our listeners, they actually have, quote unquote, support teams and negotiation teams. The ransomware uh, organizations do for you to talk to and their their support person comes back and says, you do not follow follow under the rules everyone will only incur losses they're saying you're not gonna you're not gonna affect the food chain that everyone's gonna ha only incur losses it's not going to bring down the economy it says the critical ones mean the vital needs of a person and you earn money since everything's so serious with you let's come to an agreement quickly and solve everything quickly yikes so they're they're coming back and they're and they're saying, you know, hey, you're not really vital. You know, it's not going to shut down the whole economy. And, you know, let's just get to an agreement quickly and move on. You know, they're trying to get their money. This this is a mess. <laughs> this is a real mess. This is a real mess because it, 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 it and you know, it, it goes to show me it's a telltale sign that they did not have a disaster recovery plan in place or an incident response plan in place. Because when you're saying things to like, CISA is going to be demanding answers from us within the next 12 hours or so. And we're going to have to tell them exactly what has happened. Well, what has happened is, is your security sucks and you got hit with ransomware. It's pretty damn obvious. You don't have to tell mm -hmm. them anything. And this mm -hmm. is in the news. So CISA mm -hmm. knows. And I'm sure they're already involved and the FBI is involved. Yeah. Um, it's but, kind of saying, hey, I'm going to go tell that, you know, the, the big brother or daddy's going to find yeah, out. Yeah. You better, like, give us our data back. Right. Know. Do you wonder if this is the FBI that's actually in this chat with the cyber criminal support and they're playing dumb? It, no, I don't think so. To hit, hit back at them? Yeah, and something like that wouldn't get released by the FBI. 
Okay. Yeah, I don't. That was some, that was some dummy who put things out on social media they probably shouldn't have. Um, also, but, uh, what's, what's that? No, I said going back to the cyber incident response plan. It's interesting to see how the technology, because you think farmers and and obviously you know back then farmers didn't have technology, so it's curious to see how how reliant they are that because of this technology not working, they're they're saying that they're going to have to shut down and. With that said, did nobody think about, hey, if our servers or our systems doesn't work, is there a maybe, you know, uh, a manual way to feed the, you know, the chickens and all of this stuff? Like, so it's curious to know, curious to see if they don't really have a plan. Do they just all the the animals are just going to be out there and dying because, you know, they well, the, the food all comes through the cooperative and then the cooperative is using their software to distribute it to people that need it to feed cows, people that need it to make bread, this and that. Right. That's where the bottleneck is happening. Like if right. the farmer had an actual truck of grain, I mean, they don't need a, they don't need the cooperative to, to feed the chickens, but it's this whole process of bringing in the grain from all the grain owners and then distributing it back out to where it needs to go. That's where the, that's where the bottleneck is. Right. And, that's, and the software that this company uses is what does that. So that's now down. So something that was automated and efficient is now no longer automated and efficient. And this is what I talk about with businesses all the time, guys. It's like people are like, Brian, you talk about a competitive advantage for, for technology in your business. Right. And you can see these little cracks in businesses, plans and and their maturity and a company that understands the risks and is prepared and has an incident response plan and is and has tested it is further along and that is a competitive advantage for their company over a competitor who doesn't have that and i would say that there are a there's a less percentage that are prepared than that aren't prepared. And you can see that here with this cooperative, they are completely on their heels at this point, trying to basically beg these guys to get them out of this situation. And this is a good lesson learned for businesses, in my opinion. Number one, that unless there's some kind of crazy, like international geopolitical breakthrough, you're not going to have anybody who is going to save your business from these types of situations. It's on you as the business and the business owner and the business leaders, CEOs need to step up and recognize this threat and do everything humanly possible to make sure A, you're protecting yourself and then B, you have the right things in place if you do get hit. The other thing is that I wanna mention is, is that now the, the writing's on the wall, right? There are the 16 critical infrastructure, but like we said, I think when we talked about this back when, when on this show back in June, if we go back, I believe we said this, where it was like, it seems like there's kind of like a haves and have nots in this group of 16 critical infrastructure sectors, right? Like, is that hospital big enough, you know, for, to, for them to do something? And that seems to be the case. Like if you're not big enough, if you if you're not going to create that much of a disruption in the supply chain, you're really not in the group of 16. Like there has to be a certain threshold. And that's 
basically the signal that these criminals are giving all businesses right now with this attack. They're basically saying that we're not going to attack somebody who's, if we disrupt their business and it doesn't seem to create that much of a ripple, we're going to attack them. And it doesn't matter what sector you're in. So all small businesses out there who think that they're too small to be attacked, let this be your warning that you are a prime target for these guys. They're going to go where the money is and there's money everywhere. Right. And the thing like that's disturbing about our evil is and organizations like that, they're a well-oiled machine that can deploy ransomware as a service where your average bloke can just go get it and use that and have like all of these tools of a giant company behind them. If you, even with all this stuff today, even if none of this happened, like as, as that software uh, ransomware as a service explodes, we're going to see more and more. They're going to go after everything. Um, we heard recently of a private individual who got ransomware on their Facebook page. Basically, they hij hijacked the Facebook page, wanted two grand to give it to give it back to them. I mean, it's gonna hit, it's gonna hit everything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You might you might try to log into T-Mobile or something, and boom, you know your account's been stolen, and they want money for it. So yeah, it's gonna get worse. You're right. If you if you thought you were gonna miss it. Um, you're not going to be able to anymore. It's coming. No, because they basically are saying, okay, we won't attack the top 1%, but we're we're attacking the 99%. Mm -hmm. That's what they're telling you. So, Andre, anything you want to add? I think I think we've covered this pretty well at this point. Um, any last thoughts you want to share with our audience before we move on? I don't know if you guys ever watched the uh, political cartoons like on Wall Street Journal or something, but it's it, I could see this being so funny where – there's a cartoon where one one side says, "Oh, I'm um, I'm I'm too small. They'll they'll never hack me." And then the other side says, "I can't believe they got me." You're right. You're right. So here I go. I'm gonna we're gonna move on real here real quick, guys, and change change gears. I think that was a good discussion, um, and we brought a lot of good things to the surface that. Uh, people need to be uh, aware about. Um, but we have a question here from our audience member. Uh, Julia, Julie, wants to know, how does a regular individual protect themselves? So why don't we talk about that before? Or actually, it's kind of related to this, right? So how does an individual protect themselves from, you know, this type of stuff that we're talking about? You know, let's say they're not a business owner. Uh, maybe they're an employee, which is what we talked about, you know, on this on this uh, show before is uh, how employees can play a part in protecting their business from, you know, suffering a cyber attack. Um, but how does a regular individual protect themselves from from these criminals and, you know, and what's going on out there? Um, I would say, first off, this. I think this brings up a larger discussion that's got to happen because like we were saying in our last segment, if you will, the ransomware as a service is going to push this out into the smaller and smaller and smaller clients. It's going to start hitting private individuals more. And there, there's not really somebody who's marketing that I know of that's really marketing to your private 
um, to your private individual. But I would definitely say keep your devices updated is huge important. Um, stay away from from like like don't buy like an off brand one off Android phone. Don't use old iPhones that aren't being updated anymore. Um, get you a device like a Samsung that has Knox or a OnePlus that has that's keeping on a regular update schedule. It's very important. Um, I would say, you know, obviously, you have to have a good antivirus with more than just, I would never use a free antivirus. Um, get an antivirus that has more than just, you know, hey, scanning for files. Um, and then, you know, use a service for your personal email, you know, like a Gmail or something similar that has built-in protections against spam, phishing. Um, man, it's really... Uh, a weak spot, I think, in our whole in our whole uh, economy right now. So you just threw a million things at people who don't understand what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> give me give me one or two things that you would recommend that somebody would do. Like okay. just keep your devices thing. updated. Yep. Get a really good antivirus. All right, Andre. One or two things. Two four factor authentication on every single thing you use that you log in on the internet. Yep. And the, the, the one thing I would tell you is just trust by trust, but verify everything. Right. So don't be afraid to use tools. Right. But make sure that you know who is providing you that tool. How seriously do they take protecting your data and your and, and security? Um, but on top of that, you want to just make sure that you're verifying anything that comes across your phone, whether it be a text message or, or your computer, text message, email. Before you click on that, just ask yourself some simple questions. Does the email address match up to the person? Um, would I expect this person to send me this or was I expecting this? And if you weren't expecting a message from somebody with a link or an attachment, Call that person and see if they really sent it to you. Because um, the reality of it is, is that the average person is not going to be their their front door isn't going to be busted down and somebody's going to like break into their home network through their firewall or through their modem or whatever they have set up. Yeah, they're going to get in by by you let, letting them in by clicking on a link or or receiving a message on your phone. So. Um, any device that you use that you connect with the internet, just make sure that you're extra careful on those types of things because that's where we're seeing most of these attacks come from is, is through these types of messages and things like that. Um, but the other thing you need to worry about is what I have on the screen, and that's this ExpressVPN uh, CIO was named in the UAE surveillance scandal. Now, I'm just going to quickly educate people on what this was. So uh, there are several uh, former NSA uh, employees that I guess were hired by the UAE or they started their own company and that company was hired by the UAE. Um, but they were basically uh, tasked with um, deploying malware and spying on mercenaries in the UAE. Um, where it became tricky for these guys is the UAE then asked them to start spying on Americans, and that's where it became an issue for them. Um, but 
it was exposed in this in this reporting, which was really good reporting, by the way, that these these former NSA people who were trained by the NSA are now out there as private citizens offering their services to other countries. Um, and at the same time that they were doing this, the, the CIO of ExpressVPN uh, was one of the people involved in, in this quote unquote scandal. Um, you know, and the reason we wanted to bring it up is because I get asked questions like this all the time. Like, should I be using a VPN on my phone, on my computer from one of these providers like ExpressVPN, NordVPN? I don't know if you guys know of any other ones that you might want to rattle off that are popular. Um, but there's a lot of these VPN services out here that, you know, quite frankly, they they promote cybersecurity, that if you use their product, you're going to be more secure. Now, the concern here with ExpressVPN is, you know, the ethics of this individual who was the CIO is, is now in question because of his activities and what he was being paid to do by the UAE. And at the same time, you have a company where basically you're offering a piece of software that is in the name of protecting their, their online activity and what they're doing and who they are. They're able to see everything that you're doing every, you know, they're able to intercept a lot of stuff with these types of services that go through them. So it goes back to my whole point with trust, but verify don't, you know, don't, I'm, we're not saying don't use these products, but you better know who's behind these products before you decide to go plunk your money down and install them on your systems. Right. You need to do your due diligence to find out, like, is this a company that I can trust? Where are they based out of? Like, personally, I'm not going to hire or, or sign on to a VPN service that's run out of China or Russia or, you know, any other country, probably besides the U.S. for me. I mean, quite frankly, I wouldn't use one of these services because I know how to set up these types of services and run my own, um, which is very secure. Um, but. You know, if you're if you don't know how to do that and you want to rely on these services, there are some that are very good and they, you know, they're above board. And as we found out with Express VPN, which is a very popular VPN software, by the way, um, not so much. So I just want to hear your guys thoughts on that. And uh, I guess we'll start with Andre and then we'll roll over to Randy. What do you, what's your insight on this kind of stuff? Yeah, so ExpressVPN, I, I, I always get that question, especially from our business customers when they're just looking for something personal and they, they want they hear the word VPN, they hear that this is the safest you know thing to do. Right. And ExpressVPN is one of the ones because it's like maybe $150 a year, they give you X amount of accounts. So it was very disturbing to hear about um, about what the CIO did because essentially he was doing things as it relates to the UAE and creating things like zero click surveillance and and things about their human rights because of what they what happens in that country um at the same time if you are a company and your job is to protect or you know create this vpn and have this tunnel you want the brightest and sometimes you have to hire people that um, may have done things in the past that you know that uh, you know they were contracted to do whatever, uh, but it's kind of like you know hiring the ex felon who you know broke into banks and did all this stuff, and now he's the consultant to tell other companies not what to do and what they look for. So that's the way I look at it. 
Randy. Yeah, I, I, I take a little more grim look here because so, so a couple things. One, ExpressVPN has a huge PR nightmare on their hands because there it's not that they knew that this guy did this and he changed his ways and they hired him to help him protect people. This guy was involved in protecting people when he's literally turning over political activists and people that are, you know, um, protesting and things like that to a government. So that's a PR nightmare. And we're going to have to really watch closely and see how are they going to handle this? You know, are they going to try to sweep it under the rug? Is the guy out of a job, which I assume he is, but you know, what are they going to do to reassure people? Because they're at their core, the VPN is about privacy. And the thing is that all of your data going through their VPNs, going through their certificates, it puts a lot of your data, if not all or most of it, at risk of being looked at. And if a CIO of a company is helping another government get private data, why? what makes us think that he's not doing it at ExpressVPN also? You well, know, I think, he, I think they are. I, so, think, I think it was just a way for them to kind of take this what they were doing a, a step further and offer a free cheap VPN and then see who we can get <laughs> on it or promote it to, you know, you could run targeted ads to people, you know, yeah. and you're always seeing this express VPN and the, you know, they, they, some of these guys, they go overboard with their marketing and they say like they're the silver bullet for cybersecurity, which is not true at all. They're misleading people and they're advertising. It's annoying. Mm -hmm. It's frustrating when you know this stuff. Um, but it, you know, you make great points there, Randy. It's like, you know, here we are, but that's why I say, you know, trust, but verify. Like there are certain vendors out there who, you know, they offer security products and endpoint protection, but they also offer VPNs. I mean, I would tend, if I was going to use a service like that, I would tend to lean towards those. Like for one, I'll give a shout out to Bitdefender since, you know, they released the R evil key this week for the ransomware. Um, so if you were ever attacked by our evil, head over to Bitdefender. You can get the key to unlock your files if you still have uh, encrypted files from our evil. Um, but they offer a VPN, Bitdefender, uh, that I believe is is very good. And if somebody were to like say, hey, I need to use a VPN, a public VPN service like that, I would probably recommend them. Um, but again, you need to know who you're working with and you can't just pick a VPN provider because you like the price um, because it might be low priced for a reason because they're stealing all your data, right? Or they're stealing all your private information and reselling it or who knows or spying on you. You never know. So Andre, what are your thoughts on, on this whole situation um, with uh, Express VPN? Well, it, it's, it's very similar to, um, can you hear me? Yep. Okay. It, it's very similar to, if you remember with TikTok, Remember, and I would say something like this, if TikTok was all US based, it would kind of be that same scenario where they're like, hey, they're giving information or allegedly giving information to China. Well, you know what? It bring you bring up a good point there because now you said that I recall and that's what people need to be aware of. And I want them to take away as we wrap up the podcast here. Just remember that, like, you have to really look at these companies because we've seen it with like, um, uh, I know it wasn't Signal, but there was, I know, a encrypted messaging service that, you know, there was a big security issue with one of them. Um, and, you know, a lot of these 
a lot of people that don't know, they look at these apps and they look at these services and they promote that they're secure and that, and that they uh, protect you and your, and what, and the communication that you're sending and the things that you're doing online. Um, but you got to watch, you got to really look at what they're doing, how they're doing it. Um, you know, and it's kind of like the wild west right now. There's nobody out there who's going to kind of like verify these companies and say that they're doing what they're promoting and they're marketing. Um, and then, you know, when you sign up for these services, you're agreeing to very, lengthy terms of service agreements that most people probably don't read. Um, and I would caution you and tell you that you need to read those things or at least go deep, deep into their website and look at their policies and things like that. Look at maybe any certifications that they received for their security or, or their facilities. Um, that should all be out there just as much as their marketing that, you know, they protect you from, you know, all these bad things happening out there. So it, it's, a, it's a tough go. I'm not going to say it's easy, but I want to bring awareness to this stuff because, you know, this is probably one of the number one questions I get from people about, you know, these public VPN types of things. And, um, you know, I just wanted to shed some light and an awareness around these products and, and what you need to be aware of before you decide to buy one. So anything else you guys want to add today? No, I'm good. Oh, oh, you're, man, you're on mute, dude. You're on mute. You're you're talking. Sorry about that, man. I had a, a little bit of. A, you still have a couple. But I was going to say, yikes! I mean, this just this opens up a whole nother can of worms because literally all of these apps that we use, we're we're putting trust in, yep. and you know, um, we were talking uh, in the green room, green room about uh, Telegram. Saw an article this week that a lot of the bad actors are using Telegram more than the dark web for their communication. And, you know, who owns Telegram? You know, um, and, and, that, and just what you were saying <laughs> and, and me thinking about that, it's like, how many of these apps do we use that we put so much trust in? Mm -hmm. We don't really know anything about their ownership or we do maybe. We don't know about their security practices. Right. I mean, it's a uh, very... Uh, very disturbing if you think too hard about it. Yeah, correct. Right. Uh, I just Googled it. He, it's a, I don't know if you knew the answer, but it's a Russian. He's Russian. He lives in Russia. Telegram? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so be careful what you do, how you communicate, what you put on your phone. Like just the app being on your phone could be a risk, right? Mm -hmm. You don't even have to type a message in it. Depending on what permissions that app requires to be on your phone, it could be reading all your messages and because you gave it permission to, mm -hmm. or all your files, right? And that and people don't, you know, people don't understand all that. So it's good that we bring the awareness to it. So, all right, gentlemen, I'm about to wrap it up. My voice is like on the edge here. Uh, I think I'm losing it. So, um, thank you for the insight. Thank you for hopping on the show with me today. Uh, anything else you want to add before we we hit the end button? All right. We'll see y'all next week, probably with a bunch more cyber attacks and we'll update you on this, uh, this grain situation. Hopefully we don't have a disruption in the supply chain. My guess is, is that they'll probably just pay the ransom and then our FBI will try to hack back after they pay it. And that's probably what's what we've seen with like the last three or four big ones. So 
we'll see where this ends up. We'll keep you updated. And thanks everyone for participating and viewing. And remember, share the show once we hit once it hits your uh, favorite uh, podcast platform.